How you doing today, John? I'm good. Good to see you. How are you? Doing well. I've got the uh, background behind me here of where I'm at in Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, but I'm flying mm -hmm. to the United States this week to spend a couple of months there. So I'm very excited to come back home. Excellent. Well, we welcome you and wish you safe travel, safe journey. Unfortunately, you more than likely have to have a mask through parts of that journey. So be prepared. Yes, Airports. it's going to be quite a, a trip. You know, it's uh, mandated because I'm coming from Brazil that I have to get a, a COVID test to prove that I'm COVID free uh, using these uh, phony, phony tests that they have. So mm -hmm. I'll document it. I'll let you know how it goes. Uh, but today I want to talk about how Iran has been having a really bad week. When, when Iran has a bad week, I have a good week. So um, it's interesting because last week on one day, they had three mysterious accidents that impaired the Iranian military or infrastructure. Usually they're these mysterious fires or explosions that just kind of ruin stuff. Uh, and sure enough, the same thing happened yesterday to a steel factory in Iran. There was an explosion and a fire. Uh, it was contained, but it's just interesting that these things just keep on happening in Iran. And then an interesting, another interesting thing happened with Iran is that they just lost their voting rights at the United Nations because they didn't pay $16 million, which are the, the costs of the globalist dues of belonging to the UN and voting there. So, um, you know, this trend just seems like for the past year or so, a controlled demolition of that power structure in Iran. And I'm glad that it's happening without some type of major military intervention. So I'm sensing, and this I'm just going to put out my prediction here, that we're going to see regime change in the next two years. Well, excellent. And certainly long overdue. This has been going on, to my estimation, since the 70s. And the good people of Iran have been subject to some, some horrifying decades. Let's hope and pray that, that your forecast is right and this begins to change. Absolutely. And another interesting geopolitical uh, and financial thing that's happening right now is what Russia and the Russian government are choosing to do with their financial system. They are going through a de-dollarization. Just last week, Russia removed all dollar-denominated assets from its massive sovereign wealth fund. And now, let's take a look on the screen about how they're mandating that state firms switch from the dollar to the euro payments. So we, we didn't get to see the, uh, the last two on the screen. So this is the, uh, the third visual. And so my question is, is Russia playing defense in the case of future sanctions or do they see some kind of trouble ahead for the US dollar? You know, it's very interesting that Russia sees euros and Chinese currency and gold as safer than the United States dollar. So um, it's one of the things that I, I notice in, in news analysis. I, I don't so much pay attention to the rhetoric. I pay more attention to what these important state actors are actually doing. And when I see them like furiously buying gold and repatriating gold and de-dollarization, it makes me think, wow, something's gonna go down that's going to scare the American economy. So I don't know. I don't know what Russia knows, but I know they know something. I agree with you. Um, and uh, 
our economist, Dr. Kirk Elliott, who has a program here each and every Saturday, there was an interview, uh, Patriot Street Fighter, Scott McKay, interviewed Dr. Elliott on his program. I'm having our producers uh, cut uh, that segment of, uh, out of Scott's show of just the introduction and the segment of Dr. Elliott. I've known Kirk for 15 years. I think the talk he gave expla explaining some of the things that you're raising our attention to here with Basel III and, and the price point of gold to the currencies and such was among the most important talks Kirk has ever given, and I followed him pretty closely. We're going to cut that, folks, put it up on our website, and put it up on the uh, social media accounts uh, for, for you to get some more information. But you're right, Sean, something's happening. Russia is not stupid. That's right. Um, so the next thing I want to talk about is how, you know, we've all been aware, hopefully, in this alternative news sphere of the Fauci email release. And what people might not know is that these were not hacked emails or anything like that. They were released because of Freedom of Information Act requests from different newspapers and also from Judicial Watch. And we found out from Judicial Watch, let's take a look at this on the screen, how there was a delay, a year-long delay, because Fauci himself was reviewing the emails that were going to be released and the ones that were not going to be re released, perhaps. And so this is scary to me uh, when these bureaucrats are, have, have the ability to, to regulate themselves. And when they regulate themselves, they never do a good job. So uh, although I will say that Fauci's emails have been very incriminating, and so perhaps Fauci, you know, didn't have that much power and, uh, and he's, he's doing what he's told to do. So I, I'm not sure. But let's take a look on the screen about how he has suppressed COVID-19 treatments like hydroxychloroquine. So he, along with the other uh, so-called leaders in the healthcare field, coordinated with each other. And next, I'm going to show on the screen about how they coordinated with big tech. Let's take a look at what Ted Cruz has to say about how big tech is liable for COVID-19 censorship. Ted Cruz says, well, you know, when they act at the behest of the government, he's talking about Facebook, when they contact Fauci, when they say, should we censor this? And Fauci says, yes, and they censor it for the federal government. And then magically, when the government changes its mind and says, oh, all those facts that were there a year ago, now you're allowed to talk about it. They stop censoring it with the flip of a switch. That lays a very strong argument that Facebook is operating as a state agency, and that opens very serious legal liability. So this was a very, um, this is very reassuring for me to hear from Ted Cruz because Ted Cruz is not just some random guy. He is one of the most prominent legal minds in our country. That's and he right. is saying that big tech is legally liable now for their crimes of censorship. And this is a legal route for people to take to sue big tech and for them to be held liable for perhaps billions of dollars and might even put them out of business. So um, what are your thoughts on that, John? Deep states being exposed, being ripped ripped apart um, by a thousand lashes. It's happening. We're watching it. You're presenting it. I'm going to present some stuff at the close of the show. Um, to me, it's a foregone conclusion that as we regain power, not just behind the scenes, but in front, um, deep, uh, uh, what's the word here? The media, the big tech, there we have it, companies, Google, Twitter, Facebook, 
and so forth, they're in serious, serious trouble. And uh, the entire landscape, we're in the middle of a paradigm shift, the entire landscape of how news or what we once thought was news, most of our adult life, um, is going is already been exposed, thank you, President Trump, and is now being further exposed. And when we have this perhaps 10 days of darkness, uh, even Mike Pompeo sent a, a, a telegram message out about that, um, they're finished. And I believe, I'll say this here right now, sometime later in uh, 2022, there's going to be a major shift, and the new media is going to uh, overcome the once- uh, prominent fake news. Yeah, they're they're already on their way out. I mean, uh, CNN mm -hmm. is down something like 90% in the last 12 months. A lot of these companies are going bankrupt. They're being subsidized by oligarchs and so forth. So, you know, they're not making any money. No one's watching them. And pretty soon they're going to be, you know, criminally and legally liable for their crimes. So, uh, that's where people uh, like you and, and companies like AMP will will fill that vacuum even more than what they're doing now. Uh, so I'm looking forward to that to that day. And uh, me too. The last it, thing on my celebration. celebration for yeah. for all, all freedom loving patriots in this country and all freedom loving people all across the world. And certainly, folks like you and I, and even you know everyone from Alex Jones, the original pioneer in this uh, trailblazing issue, and everybody else, you know, the X twenty two report, and and you and me, and a lot of the Q guys, and and few, many others, Patriot Street Fighter, and Michael Jacko, and so many people, um, we're being vindicated once one day at a time right now, and it's a wonderful, wonderful thing because uh, things that you and I and some of the folks I just mentioned have been brave enough to discuss. Boldly, at great risk, I might add, a day in and day out for years. Um, well, just go to foxnews.com, check out the headlines. That's what we said a year ago. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, the only difference uh, between the conspiracy and the truth is about six to 12 months right now. And <laughs> I'm going to really drive that point home with the last video we're going to show. This is a Dutch politician talking about a report from the Rockefeller Foundation called Lockstep, where basically the Rockefellers laid out exactly how this pandemic and the response from the government would go. And so people like Alex Jones and so forth are always criticized for talking about coordination and conspiracy. And yet this report just demonstrates that it is the case. So uh, let's watch this, this fascinating um, moment in time where a Dutch politician is talking about the Rockefeller report. Dat er een punt komt dat wij wakker worden. Dat we inzien dat dit een collectieve psychose is. Dat het op slot gooien van het hele land, de halve wereld, gedurende anderhalf jaar vanwege een griepvariatie krankzinnig is. Dat we rondlopen met die lullige, niet werkende mondkappen. Dat we ons houden aan die volstrekt onzinnige afstandsregels. En onze bedrijven, onze sociale levens stuk hebben zien gaan. Dat we prima eerste lijnst medicijnen, zoals ivermectine, tegenhouden. Alleen om die experimentele injecties de status van toegelaten vaccin versneld te kunnen geven. Dat we kletsen over, oh, de besmettingen lopen terug. Terwijl dit vorig jaar natuurlijk ook gebeurde, zoals dat elk jaar gebeurt. Zoals er straks natuurlijk met de herfst weer nieuwe besmettingen komen, zoals dat altijd gebeurt. En we doen alsof dat door corona komt, terwijl wat we vroeger de griep noemden, schijnbaar geheel zou zijn verdwenen. Maar het belangrijkste, en dat zijn mijn afrondende woorden, dat we inzien dat met als voorwensel een of andere hysterie over deze Chinese griep een infrastructuur is opgegeven 
opgetuigd die op elk willekeurig moment, wegens elk willekeurig voorval, opnieuw kan worden aangewend. Lockdowns, mondkapjes, afstand houden, niet meer reizen, geen handen meer schudden, belachelijke experimentele injecties laten inspuiten. Deze coronatijd was een gehoorzaamheidstraining. De Tweede Kamer en de regering Rutte hebben die training glansrijk doorstaan. Gefeliciteerd, Klaus Schwab kan trots op jullie zijn. De globalistische plannen kunnen doorgang vinden en de volgende stap richting mass surveillance en totale controle kan worden gezet. Dank u wel. Beautiful. Yes. The world is What waking up. Moment. The Great Awakening. Incredible talk. Uh, there's more of us than them. We're fighting back all continents all across the globe. Wonderful. Yes, and guess who shared that on uh, Telegram and social media? It was General Flynn. And uh, there's a lot more before this final wrap-up talk that this guy gave. He talked about the specific connections from the Lockstep report from Rockefeller Foundation. So if you want to see the whole video, go to General Flynn's Telegram, official Telegram, and you can find it there. Excellent. Well, uh, any uh, closing comments, Sean? No, that's it for today, John. Okay, excellent. Well, what I'd like to say is I took a couple of notes while you were uh, exposing Fauci. Um, I want to just let our, our, our viewers know on the homepage of our website, you scroll down to Resource Center, which I'm real happy has been launched. It'll be backfilled for a year and a half of content and maintained today moving forward with all the great guests, show hosts and co-hosts that passed through this uh, program, Making Sense of the Madness. All their resources will be there for you. And uh, Fauci's emails, I believe, are posted up there for you to uh, download the PDF. And we're sending them out over the next several weeks, each and every Sunday, to those who have subscribed for free at AmericanMediaPeriscope.net and certainly to our premium uh, members in the portal. So, Sean, um, we've got a great guest coming up in just a moment. If you wouldn't mind having a seat in the Brazil Digital Green Room, uh, we'll, uh, we'll call your presence uh, a little bit later in the show. Thanks a lot. Great reporting as always. SeanMorganReport.com. Sean, are you with us? Or maybe not. There he is. Hey, Sean, meet Peggy Hall. Nice to meet you, Peggy. Uh, it's very inspiring, the work that you do. I, I did have a, a few questions for you. Um, so your, your site is a, is a, is a resource. Uh, it used to be that the ACLU was a resource for things like that, but they've gotten very politicized. Are there any other organizations that people could get some, some legal, uh, help from? Well, that's a really interesting question, Sean, because, uh, in the year and a half that I've been doing this work, Uh, I have found very few attorneys who are willing to take this on. I think part of it is because they are licensed by the state and they don't want to get into hot water. Uh, many of them have said, oh, this is all new. This is not my area of expertise. I have actually counseled um, and advised many attorneys on the health and safety codes in California, uh, just because it's an area of my expertise that I have spent the last year and a half studying. And they're not aware of the fact, for example, that California code 101080 very clearly states that our county boards are required to terminate the local health emergency at the earliest possible date. They are extending this again and again and again under fraudulent means in order to get 
emergency money, emergency funds, and that's fraud. And fraud is a felony that carries a prison sentence. The attorneys don't want to go up to bat or go go to battle against this. One, because they may have pending cases with judges that they don't want to get on the wrong side. They don't want to stir the pot. They want others to go ahead of them so that they can uh, set the stage. And I don't think it's just in these times. I've learned a lot about... Um, the law and courts and all of that in this last year. And apparently there are things called bench books. And a bench book is a compilation of how um, different cases have been uh, adjudicated and upheld and ruled upon in different areas, including public health. And when a judge gets a case in front of, uh, in front of him or her, they usually as I understand, will consult a bench book because they don't have time to get up to speed on all of the laws and all of the previous cases. So it's a compilation, sort of a cliff notes, if you will, of different cases. And then they will thumb through those to see, oh my gosh, how, how have other judges ruled on this? Do I have some precedents that I can rely on? Well, all of what we're going through now has not been compiled into these bench books. And many of the judges and the attorneys don't want to be first on the block. They've even told, I've not spoken to uh, judges, but some attorneys have even told me this that I will follow the crowd, but I don't want to be the first. Further, get this, hold on to your hats. This one, at least in California, it may be in other states as well. I have spoken to some top-notch civil rights attorneys who have told me that they are on retainer by the state, meaning they cannot take on any cases that go against the state. And get this, they're not even engaged in any um, active cases. So I'm not going to call it um, protection money. I'm not going to say that it's a type of mafia tactic. I wouldn't say that. But somebody might misconstrue the fact that the governor and the government is retaining these law firms, paying them monthly for work that they're not doing, simply so they will not take on cases from people like me against the state. I'm on record saying that. So a lot of people are on their own. They have to either represent themselves or use a public defender. Um, and so you, you provide some, some resources for people to educate themselves, but there are just the people out there that, that don't, that aren't up to that challenge. And, um, and there are people who just, it's easier for them to follow authority rather than to take on that, the whole risk involved with it, that you risk your reputation, your money, your livelihood. But what are some motivations for people to take that leap of faith and, and do it? You know, what are some things that drive people like yourself and, and people who access your resources? What drives them to, to gain these freedoms, not just for themselves, but for, for other Americans? Well, it's, it boils down to a simple question, Sean. Would you rather be a slave or would you rather be free? That, that's the only question. How comfortable are you with people requiring you or enforcing or not even enforcing because people are willingly going along with it uh, to go and do these behaviors that are, well, they're repulsive to me and I will never do it. So for me, the line is very clear. I have never worn a mask. I'm never going to. I've never been tested. I'm never going to. I'm going to keep my body pure. None of that is something I, I would no sooner do any of that than I would sleep with my boss to get a raise. I have standards and I have integrity, and I have dignity. And just like I would rather be fired from a job, if the choices are stay in the job and sleep with the boss or get fired, I would rather be fired and have my dignity and integrity intact. And I would rather die starving homeless on the street than to ever willingly engage in any of these 
tyrannical behaviors without authority, without just with power, I, I, I personally will never do so. I cannot encourage anyone to do anything other than what sits well with their soul. So if those individuals can look in the mirror and sleep well at night saying, you know what? I just gave in a little bit. You know what? I had that affair. It didn't really mean anything. You know, I'm sure my spouse will understand. I, I have nothing to say to that. It's an, a choice that each individual is going to take. And it seems like all of humanity is going through this process of learning boundaries, you know, of learning how mm -hmm. to interact with authority. And uh, so I really admire the work th that you're doing to educate people so they can wake up and, and do this. But what are some of the common challenges uh, besides the ones that you mentioned, wearing a mask and, and so forth? Are there any people uh, doing these things regarding their children's schooling? Uh, what are some common situations that, that people are getting into now? I think it's the best thing that ever happened because with the number of parents that I hear from that suddenly have started looking at their children's school and the children's, the, the curriculum and the way that the teachers and the um, administration are interacting with the parents and the children, I think it's fantastic. As a 30-year veteran uh, of professional teacher education, teaching teachers how to teach, I can tell you that the public schools are the worst place for students to be. So anything that gets the kids out of those schools and into uh, an alternative learning situation, and there are many available, and I have a remedy for anyone. I have, I have a remedy for a, a single mom who has to work. I have a remedy for a mom who, who may be disabled or, or a dad or uh, a divorced family or someone that has six kids of all different ages or has special needs kids. There is a remedy for every situation that is far superior to the public schools, which are intended for indoctrination, and that is why we are in the situation we are right now. They are taught not to question authority. They are, there are so many dangerous things going on in public schools right now. I'm thrilled that this is happening so that parents can take a deeper look. I have something called Freedom Learning. There's a two-hour seminar that's absolutely free that people can dive into at the website, and it breaks my heart to know that the children are the pawns, that in many states they are busing 12-year-old kids to a vaccine site, a vaccination center, without the parental knowledge, and the kids are getting the shot because of peer pressure. So parents, if you're sending your child to school, you are giving consent for the state to now be the parent of your child. So you just need to know that, that when you send your kids to school, you no longer have the authority. If you're okay with that, um, I would like you to look at that a little deeper because I'm not okay with that. Uh, so I would say the kids being used as pawns, the, um, the individuals, the employees that are being bamboozled by the headlines and being bamboozled by their employer saying, you have to uh, take the shot or you can't work here. That's absolutely unlawful. That would be like telling someone in a wheelchair that they have to get up and walk or they can no longer be employed there. It's absolutely ludicrous, insane, unthinkable, immoral, unethical, and needs to be stopped. So I think the employee uh, situation the school situation and then the medical settings also people are being forced under duress to get a covid test to wear a mask 
to get vaccinated before they get other medical treatment. I spoke at length about how that is illegal. And so it's just up to the individual to say, my life is more important than complying with tyranny. And if you don't believe that your life is more important than complying with tyranny, there are deeper issues that need to be looked at. And there are ways to address those as well. You know, Peggy, this is John. I just want to weigh in here. Um, do you have um, some of these different individuals in brackets that you've just defined that are uh, having to take the shot or, you know, suffer some consequence? And and also the children, as you described, being bust off to get the jab, if you will. Um, this is really, really a significant tragedy because when you listen to the potential forecasts by Dr. Christiane Northrup, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, Dr. Uh, uh, Judy Mikovits, scientists that have all been on these shows, um, there's some big trouble coming down the road, folks. Uh, so pray for all these people because it's not good. And we've got to continue to raise the awareness on this. This is our war. And the weapon is this uh, weapon of many things. But in this discussion, uh, the big part of the weapon is the no vaccine vaccine uh, that they're uh, trying to force upon people. You know, I, I, I'm going to I'm probably going to title this show solutions for our times with Peggy Hall, because that's what you're offering solutions for our times. And these are great questions, Sean. So let me stop my chambers rambling and turn the mic back over to you. If you have any closing questions or comments for Peggy. Yeah, I have one last question. Um, you know, people don't take the types of steps that you're offering here because of fear-based mentality, because they're afraid that they won't be able to keep collecting from corporate America. They, they won't be able to fit in with their peer group. They won't be able to um, uh, get approval or whatever from the government. So, so it's those, those major institutions um, that, that keep them from taking that, I called it before, a leap of faith, because it seems to me that the people who are willing to take that risk, they don't view it as a risk because there's a spiritual um, base to the believing that it's okay, corporate America doesn't provide for me, God provides for me. Is there a spiritual underpinning for you and your journey? Can you talk about that? Absolutely, Sean. Those are such good points that you bring up. And you mentioned the word consequences, and that's true. People don't want to experience the consequences of their choices and of their actions. I'm a person of faith. My husband is a pastor, and I feel that God has called me to fight evil. And I get up every day and I look to God for my direction, for my protection, and for my peace. On the website, under that page of documents, um, one of the documents is my um, prayer for activists. And if you don't mind, I would like to read that. It's just, it would just take a minute and it um, please, absolutely please is part. Yeah, that, that is really, I'm just going to bring it up on my screen here. Or if you wanted to bring it up, it's thehealthyamerican.org under documents. And then I will tell you that is number, um, I have these numbered here, which is easier for people to find. And uh, that would be number, um, Number two, and that's the prayer that I have. And this is something that guides me, Sean. And I'm just going to read it uh, here. And I invite people to join me uh, Sundays at 6 p.m. Pacific time, wherever you are. To me, it just is so powerful to know that we are all praying for each other, supporting each other, looking for the bigger picture. This is a spiritual battle. If this was a war where there were bombs flying and people had to seek shelter, I think they would face the reality of the... Um, 
intensity and the the gravity of what we are in, but because it's really an invisible war and many people are able to go, to go about their life with just minor irritations. And some people are making, you know, quite large sacrifices, but I just want, um, I want everyone to know that I'm never going to say we're in this together, but you are not alone. And there are many of us shoulder to shoulder, side by side, standing with you. So this is my prayer for activists. Oh Lord, I long that people might hear the truth. Give me assistance in reaching others with my heart uplifted for grace and wisdom. Guide me to share my views with fullness of truth, clarity of thought, proper expressions, fervency and conviction guided by your wisdom and light. Keep me conscious of my faults and flaws. Open my heart to hear the sorrows of others and shine your light of comfort and peace. May no soul be lost to your love. Strengthen me by your spirit. Stand between me and all strife so I may speak fully and freely and do this work you have called me to do. That is what drives me, Sean. Yes, that, that prayer sounds like it's... It, um... It's you're asking God for all the tools you need to fight evil. And that's that's an amazing thing. And uh, I think John and I, we see our job the same way, that we're, we're trying to fight darkness and deception with the sword of truth. And um, so I just found that very interesting that that people, people who are not willing to, to make this fight, they do it because they give a little bit too much credit to the powers that be, that they have all the power. When in reality... When you're on God's side, you're, you're on the right side and you have protection and you have a lot of uh, power as well. You, ha you have the true sovereignty. Um, so I, I wake up every day knowing I'm on the right side and I'm, I'm happy about it. And I do take risks for my reputation and so forth uh, by, by putting my opinions out there. Uh, but uh, it's a risk that I'm, I'm willing to take because the reward is, is so great. You know, I just want to chime in as we're wrapping up the, the program, the segment with Peggy Hall. You know, the three folks to our viewers that you see on the screen, we're, we're joining Lynn Wood and General Flynn and Patrick Byrne and many of the frontline doctors and so many patriots in this country and all over the world on the tip of that spear. And I'd love to uh, end the program on that very positive note. Last word to you, Peggy Hall, uh, some additional words of encouragement for everybody listening. Well, thank you so much, friends. Um, I agree, Sean. I don't care what other people think about me. I only care what God thinks about me. I care about what I think about myself. Can I go to bed um, knowing that I, I did my best? I fought the good fight. I'm standing for truth. Truth is my highest value. Even freedom and love and faith actually are faulty if they are not under the banner of truth. So that is where I seek information. Grateful to be on board with you. Anybody can join me at thehealthyamerican.org, the free email newsletter. And we need to keep bringing the light of truth to the darkness. Thank you for the opportunity, friends. You bet. And thank you, Sean Morgan, uh, who, of course, will be joining me tomorrow night. Sean uh, at the SeanMorganReport.com and uh, Peggy Hall. Everyone listening to this program, you can also sign up for the free newsletter. That's very quick and easy to do. Uh, solutions for our times. 
thehealthyamerican.org. Thank you very much, Peggy. You're doing incredible work. Stay safe. And, and I don't mean from the masks. I mean from the times we're living in, uh, from the deep state and it's false flag season that's upon us. Stay safe from that. And uh, God continue to bless and protect you. Uh, thank you both very much for being here.